This is episode number 368 of the Inner Fight Podcast, the health and fitness show. I've got with me the founders of Viking Man and world record holders. This is Andreas and Axel. Let's get into it. Axel and Andreas, welcome to the Inner Fight Podcast. You are the founders of Biking Man. Before we dig into that, who's going to kick it off? Really, who are you? Where do you come from? And what's going on? Axel, give us a bit of your background. Sorry, he's French. Bonjour, <laughs> je, vais parler, je vais parler uniquement en français. Yeah, the whole thing in French. Yeah, tout, tout en français. No, I tout do speak English. Thank you very much, Marcus, for the invitation no and uh, giving us the, the opportunity of presenting, talking about uh, Biking Man. So I'm Axel, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I'm the co-founder of uh, Biking Man. I started cycling uh, almost 10 years ago now. Right. And uh, I started cycling as a touring adventure opportunity. Right. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you a lot during this because I think things are really interesting. And what interests me the most about when we're talking to people is how did you start cycling 10 years ago? You're 22 years old. Everyone has a bike when they're young. What, what happened that made you start cycling at the age of 22? Well, uh, we're in, uh, we are in 2010 exactly right. to be sharp on dates. And basically, I was working out a lot at a gym, yeah. uh, working out around 15 hours a week. And right. uh, eventually, I got this job, which was uh, taking me most of my time, uh, early start, late arrival uh, at home. Yeah. And well, eventually, I couldn't work out anymore. And uh, what happened is that I had a couple of friends that were traveling, doing some very hard things on yeah. touring bikes, right. uh, riding hard for 10 days in the wilderness and carrying all the... F- stuff you need to actually survive this kind of riding mm-hmm. and they gave me the opportunity of joining this wow. i was not a cyclist in the first place and i'd say right. well why not yeah. so i jumped into the adventure and i became completely hooked and it became <laughs> addictive so we repeated this from 2010 to 2015 right and this touring thing, uh, which was at the beginning, you know, cycling roughly 120k per day with a 40 kilos bike while you're carrying your, your kitchen, well, your yeah, sleeping bag. I was going to say, mate, what, what exactly do you carry for 40 kilos? I, I, t- I try not to go anywhere with more than 9 kilos. Well, pretty much everything you need <laughs> to ride in uh, Ukraine, Moldavia and uh, wow. Albania and to camp in the wilderness, cook, uh, wow. water and uh, equipment yeah, yeah so basically so we it had adds uh, up very quickly then. Yeah, yeah, yeah plus yeah. Uh, the inexperience <laughs> is actually uh, coming fast which means when you don't have any experience you bring lots of weight yeah that makes the ride more challenging so yeah and uh, but you know going in the wilderness cycling all day yeah. and just being focused on the riding experience and adventure became a way of living Really? Apart from the job, Amazing. so I keep uh, I kept repeating this experience. Yeah, and uh, well, eventually yeah. one day I just tried to to build a, a big thing. Yeah. Like apart from these ten days, twelve days, up to fifteen days, yeah. cycling tours, uh, which were not cycling tours because we were murdering ourselves for <laughs> fifteen days just yeah. to get out of the job and you know get the experience. Yeah, uh, just prepared with my wife and a friend. Uh, a dream which was doing a long distance cycling experience yeah and uh, crossing the dream of my wife 
which was to go in South America. Hold that thought. Let's jump in with your partner. I feel a bit sorry for Andreas. He's sat here listening to this romantic story. And I've heard it before. It's, it's fine. Be- <laughs> <laughs> it's become even more romantic now. Your wife's involved in all this stuff. Andreas, introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of background and, and let's see what's going on there. Thanks for that. My name is Andreas Sobisis. I'm 34 years old. Uh, I'm Swedish. And my background is uh, I used to play a lot of soccer. I dropped out when I was about 20. Right. And then uh, I continued basically running was my thing. Right. Um, I got a bike from a friend when I was 22. He gave it to me before he left uh, study abroad. Yeah. It was a mountain bike. I rode it once from um, Halmstad to Gothenburg. It's about 150K. Okay. And then I got stolen. (laughs) So that was it. Good story. And uh, yeah, then I didn't ride until uh, 2010. I think it was when I uh, I moved to Copenhagen. Right. And I bought myself a steel bike. And I figured, uh, yeah, you know, I, I want to do a triathlon. So, right. So um, I signed up for one and then I did it. And uh, What distance did you start with? I did a half Ironman in May and then I did the full in July. So there. you just started out the block, so I'll just do half Ironman. Yeah. Very yeah. good. <laughs> Why not? As you do, yeah. Well, I didn't know how to swim. I couldn't ride a bike. It was completely useless, but, but I could but run you at could least. Run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and then I sort of got hooked. And uh, in 2012, I moved down to France. You know, the riding in France is just amazing. Amazing, yeah. So uh, I got myself a new bike and uh, started riding more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then I met this guy last year in uh, no 2016, maybe. 2016 in January or February yeah shall we flip back to the love story because if I get my dates right the love story with your wife which is a natural love story before this uh, love story she's not here it's fine this is like a (laughs) podcast of different love stories Uh, I think the story of what you did with your wife that sort of led into and that was before you met Andreas I think this is a this is a great story that people would like to hear as well because why why do i think people like to hear it because a lot of the time i see a lot of people perhaps not aligned with their loved one or they're doing she's doing one thing he's doing another thing so this is something super cool i know you sort of sold it the idea to her so it was a little bit of a con but let's jump into that part mate yeah so we were in 2014 uh, basically I was bored with job I was working hard for 8 years for the same company yeah and uh, well we built this uh, bike expedition in South America where basically we had the idea of uh, crossing the whole continent starting from Cartagena in Colombia up to Argentina Ushuaia so how we started the idea with my wife was you know she wanted to go there I want I wanted to just quit the job and do this big thing yeah. we took a map and uh, we said all right let's start here and go there and then was, uh, she, was she into cycling like you you're off on these crazy adventures with 40 kilos on your bike yeah is she into it by this time or not at all i mean she she has <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a sportive background is basically uh jazz dancing for like almost 12 years right and uh but no endurance uh, well cycling is the same if you dance good enough on the pedals for long yeah, enough yeah, the yeah, bike yeah. kind of <laughs> goes <laughs> no she actually didn't have any 
and his sportive background in right. the in the in, into cycling. And okay. well, I saw the thing saying, you know, it's, it's not going to be that rough. Yeah. Uh, even though I started <laughs> building the the root of that crazy journey, like, feel free to chip <laughs> in. Like you're sitting here. Well, let's just say she's not cycling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk numbers. I mean, the, the South American trip we've done together was yeah. thirteen thousand five hundred kilometers. Right. One hundred and fifty-four thousand meters climbing. Total wow. elevation wow. in eight months. So we rode six days a week. She rode. Uh, an hour and a half more every day to catch up with uh, the two guys because I was cycling with a friend at that time as well. Right. So and uh, basically it was yeah riding for her almost seven hours a day, wow. six days a week wow. to make it from Cartagena to Ushuaia, following yeah. the Andes because right. we went off the beaten tracks. We didn't follow the Pan American Highway okay. and the easy roads. We actually went at five thousand meters in Bolivia. Wow. Uh, you know, entering minus 20 uh, wow. temperatures, <laughs> sleeping in the uni salas and, you know, wow. these super remote areas where you have to store your food for two weeks. Anyway, she went through the thing. She endured and she cycled every bit of it. Wow. Yeah, every, every kilometer was cycled. I have to ask, mate, how many times did you argue? Actually, not that, not that many. That's not <laughs> and what she that, said. That, 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 that's the beauty of it. I mean, it's before this adventure, before, you yeah. know, letting everything behind us. Yeah. The job, family. I mean, you know, saying to her family, I'm going to Colombia and I'm riding in the Andes at 5,000 meters. Uh, most people are saying you're insane. Yeah. And sh- so we left everything behind. And, but before that, we were not thinking about working together. Right. We are like, you know, if we work together one day, we'll murder you kill each, each other. other. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And what uh, the beauty of this trip, uh, apart from the fact that she's not cycling anymore, yeah. is that, you know, we learned actually to endure together and, yeah. you know, uh, go beyond any harshness, any problems you have to uh, overcome in this kind of journey. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we have a TV show in France. It's Ile de la Tentation. Right. It's Tempting Island where people are, you know, uh, couples are sent to an island and uh, you get these gentlemen and women. Their mission is actually to seduce wow. one of the couple. Right. And I'm always saying that was our Ile de la Tentation because, yeah. you know, r- most people will actually either quit their partner yes. or just murder him yeah. or murder her yeah. during this kind of yeah. trip because yeah. you yeah. have no comfort at all. Yeah. Yeah. You have nothing. You're always with him. Or with her. You so. were were you camping every night, or you're finding hostels? How? What was the game plan going into it? Well, we were arranging it all along the way. Meaning, right. we didn't have any schedule saying today we'll sleep here yeah. and we'll find a nice fancy hotel. Yeah. It was the reverse. We were okay today. We're late on planning because we had this pass horrible road conditions. So yeah. we were mostly camping right. and uh, sleeping at fireman stations. 20 times around the over the 185 days we spent wow. uh, cycling yeah. but mostly in the wilderness incredible so cooking your own stuff yeah sometimes storing you know 10 10 liters of uh, water to make sure that you can actually cook tonight and prepare some coffee and tea in the morning yeah otherwise every all the all the team gets uh, cranky <laughs> <laughs> that's an i mean that's an incredible journey especially I, I think folks that are listening if, if you do have a minute just pull up a map of what's going on here this is the length of south america 
This is one man and his wife. This is 185 days on a bike, which is something incredible. We'll move on from that and let Andreas feel more part of our show here. Oh, it's fine. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> you got back from that and soon after you guys were somehow introduced. Talk us, Andreas, talk us through what was going, what happened there. Well, it was actually uh, one of my colleagues who told me that he'd gone for a ride, a group ride, yeah, the weekend, and he met a guy who was equally stupid as you. He said, "Right," and, and he said, "You guys should meet." Right, and I said, "Well, why not?" So uh, we uh, hooked up for a group ride on a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, and we sort of took off and uh, got along well, and it turned out that we were actually living about 300 meters apart. No way. Yeah, so it was very convenient after that to just, yeah. you know, you want to ride tomorrow at 4.30? Yes. Boom. Let's go. Okay. So uh, we started training together. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then it's, it sort of just took off from there. We uh, we started pushing things. Instead of riding six hours, we'd say, well, maybe we can ride nine hours. And then we did that. And then maybe we can ride 12 hours. And then we did that. And then what was it for you, though, mate? Why, why would you... You start at three hours, and that's good. What? Why did you want to ride more? Well, why not? Right. I mean, you, you want to push your own limits, right? You yeah. want to see how far can you actually go. Yeah. And uh, that's what we did. And then we, you know, it, it just escalated. And somehow someone thought of the idea of let's ride down to Barcelona. Right. And then... From Nice down to Barcelona. How far is that? It's about 820K. Okay. So it's quite short. So we figured... Yeah, we figured, why not? Let's yeah. see how long it takes. And it took about two and a half days, I think. Yeah. And we were completely demolished afterwards. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, we left at 3 a.m. on a Thursday. We rode about 400-ish the first day. Right. Took into a hotel. We rode maybe 240 the second day. And then 130, the third in the morning. But you told us about triathlon. You didn't like swimming. And you weren't very good at riding a bike. The only part of triathlon you're interested in was running yep so how did being on a bike get i won't call it comfortable because it's probably still not comfortable now but how did you how did you move in why did what about the bike got attractive to you well you can cover much more distance right and especially in the south of france the riding is you know amazing yeah and you can ride from sea level up to 2000 meters right and with running, you can go... I like trail running as well. It's very uh, addictive. But, you know, three, four hours of doing that, you won't cover the distance. And you'll be destroyed in a different way. Yeah, for sure. So cycling is... Uh, I would say cycling is easier right. than running. So you can do more of it. Right. And so you land up in Barcelona after two and a half days. We yeah. did, yeah. We, we, we drove... Sorry, we, we rode straight to my friend's house. Uh, they prepared a barbecue for us. That's very kind of yeah, good some, friends. Some beers, uh, relaxing, and then we packed our stuff up, went to the airport, and flew back home. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I guess that when, once you've done a trip like that, I mean, it's a thousand kilometers. It's, it, it's no joke. Then from what I'm getting here, it kicks in. What becomes next? Yeah. Um, well, first, we didn't want to ride for a long time. It was just mentally you were fatigued. Right. Um, but then uh, Axel wrote, uh, he uh, read this book about a crossing. And uh, we started sort of chatting and, and discussing things. And, and then this idea popped up about South America. Why don't we, you know, try and hammer the whole continent and see what happens? Right. 
And uh, yeah, eventually, I think in September, we decided that let's do it. So the, the idea came from a book. I mean, you'd already been there though, mate. So what? talk, talk us through how this sort of, you chose South America, but then you read a book. And so why did you want to go back there and do almost the same thing? I know it's different, but how did, how did it all come together? Well, it's very simple. When I worked out the South American trip with my wife, I investigated a lot. Right. And uh, I searched for inspiration as well yeah. to, you know, check, check if you're not insane. And basically what happens is that when you start, you know, investigating this kind of stuff, yes. well, you, you find books of explorers, of uh, adv- adventurers. Yeah. And I read quite a lot. Yeah. And, uh, well... I always uh, felt like the South American trip we've done with my wife was not fast enough. So, you know, we are a team of I three. I hope she doesn't listen to this. No, she won't. Good. <laughs> I'll tell her, you know. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I'll send her the link. Don't yeah. worry. We, we, we were a team of three. So, Leticia, Stefan, a friend, and me. And yeah. basically, I kept pushing all the time the team to, you know, overcome the day. Right. And I felt like always I could go further. Right, and right. Well, we discussed with uh, this crazy guy here, Andreas, mm-hmm. and we, you know, it was uh, during a coffee ride we are, we are doing very often. And uh, why not crossing South America on a turbo mode? Turbo mode. And right. uh, the Barcelona ride was actually the beginning of our understanding that it was not that crazy. It was actually easy if you train properly, if you yes. get the right volume. And if you're adventurous enough to take on the challenge. Yeah. So we had this guy, a Scottish guy, Scott Napier, right. who, who had done the journey in 58 days. And we were like, well, why, why not, you know, trying to do something better? And mm. uh, for seven years since his world record, no one attempted to do it. Right. And uh, From the same points that you guys did? Yeah. From, right. from Cartagena, Colombia to yeah. Ushuaia, Argentina. Right. And I knew why, because I, I had the, ex- the experience yeah. of the continent. Yeah. The idea was, you know, pushing forward uh, our experience with Andreas to ultra cycling yeah. and bikepacking adventures and taking the advantage of my knowledge of the continent. Yeah. Plus sharing with this guy the South American riding experience, yeah, which yeah. is absolutely wild. Yeah. It's incredible. You get landscapes and mountains that are twice higher than any mountains in the world apart from Nepal. Right. So you get peaks that are unbeatable. And uh, you get this high altitude experience, this wilderness where it feels like it's almost the first... You you almost feel like it's the first time a cyclist is actually cycling here. Right. And it's, uh, it's an amazing experience. Right. Plus... At that time, when we were planning the world record with Andreas, I already had planned with my wife a first race of the Biking Man series, right. which was in Cadivide, basically taking the cyclists around the world in July uh, to cycle the whole mountain range, the whole Andes between Ecuador and Peru, right. which was the most turning part of our journey. Right. So that race was uh, being organized, and uh, the idea was to echo this yeah. with the world record with Andreas and then work on the, the race series yeah. of Biking Man. So what, when, so when you start to talk about it, how did you feel, mate? Like, 
you know, obviously you'd learn a lot from, from, from Axel about his experience and you've got this sense of adventure as well. What starts to happen mentally and maybe a little bit emotionally? Um, I think the first thing was, uh, sorry, was that I knew that he had been riding for six hours a day, six days a week. And uh, we were pretty equal when it comes to riding, at least. And, uh, and uh, our idea was, well, we'll have to ride at least 10 hours a day. And, you know, I knew that he could do that. So I figured, well, he can do it. I can do it. Right. And 10 hours is just a few more hours every day. So yeah. plus I've never been to South America. So why not? Really? Yeah. So that <laughs> were, you, were you somehow nervous, though, mate? Yeah, yes and no, I'd say. I, I, I mean, obviously, that Axel's been there before was comforting. I knew that he'd gone through it, so yeah. we, had, we had gone through some real training together. So yeah. I knew how he reacted in certain situations, and I knew yeah. how I reacted, so I figured we were, were pretty similar, so it should be all right. Should be okay. Yeah. Talk us through a little bit of that training. So when you, you've now decided that you're going to go, you're going to go for a world record, you're going to try and get from the north of South America to the bottom of South America in the records 58 days you said yeah and your goal was to do it 50 your initial goal was it I think we said uh, yeah 50 plus less than 58 right yeah so day one of training for something like that what what did that look like well we we had been riding quite a lot um, ever since we met in I think it was January or February Right. So basically, we figured that we continue the volume, yeah. uh, ride a lot of mountains where we live. What does volume mean? Well, between 10 to, well, I'd say 12 to 20 hours a week, maybe. Okay. Depending on... Uh, so not a huge amount. I mean, if you, no. if you look at people that are involved in triathlons and stuff, they, they would generally train 12 to 15 hours. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just... Or more, some of the guys that are doing it wrong. Key, um, key is consistency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had consistency, and we uh, we knew that, uh, yeah, well, we, we felt that we could do it. We just had to keep doing what we were doing, basically. How far from saying, right, we're going to do this, to when you started? What was the time that you actually had to train? I think we sort of decided sometime in September, let's do this. Right. So we had a few months. When were you supposed to start? Uh, January 1st. Wow. So you had four months. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which is not really a very long time, right? But we already had... Uh, but you had a lot of... Yeah. Oh, in 2000, uh, 2016, we piled around six, uh, 600 hours of training between right. running, cycling, and swimming. Right. Because we were doing the three. Right. Uh, so we already had, you know, some nice riding mileage. Yeah. And uh, I think we rode maybe around 13,000 kilometers this year. Right. So, yeah. so we had the volume, so had we had the consistency, bit. and we had, I think the most important was, you know, to get this uh, threshold and yeah. try, try to beat this kind of threshold. But yeah. these mental limits where you're actually saying, well, I've, most guys, most, most cyclists, I'm very surprised to see that most cyclists haven't ridden their bikes over a 200 kilometer route. In one hit. In one hit. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we actually were more focused on. Uh, overcoming these kind of limits right. which are mostly mental yeah. to be sure that we could handle whatever the situation would be in South America yeah. so poor fueling yeah. we're trying you know, to go low on fueling go low on uh, water as well right. to actually well, 
simulate the yeah, situation. Yeah, simulate the situation we could have in yeah. South America. Yeah. So basically tr- training, like cycling uh, in a way was just a part of training. Then right. all the other part of training was mostly getting ready, your mindset ready for the adventure. That's yeah. the most important thing. How do you do that? Because the reason why I ask is because it, it's a question that I get asked a lot. And the enormity, if people have actually pulled up the map by now, which, again, I suggest you pull up the map, have a look at South America, and actually figure out what this gu- these guys were just about to do. How do you prepare the mind for it? You split it up in pieces. Right. Yeah. So um, what did that look like? Well, it looked like 10 hours a day, and that was it. That's it. So yeah. day one... We're going to ride 10 hours. Yeah, we had our original plan. We had a, a very ambitious schedule, uh, which we then tweaked and, and basically threw away completely after the first few days. Uh, <laughs> do you, sorry, mate. Do you think that people maybe plan way too much in various aspects of their life and have to throw away the plan after two or three days? Definitely. So what's your advice to those people? Just do it. Right. Yeah. Just go out and do it. Yeah. Just, just let go. I mean, if you try to control everything, you won't do nothing. Yeah. And uh, we are, I mean, the living example of that. Absolutely. Us, we talked about my wife. She was not a cyclist. Yeah. She rode the whole continent in the roughest conditions you could ever imagine. Yeah. She'll, she, she's done it. Just not be, because we've thought everything, every detail. and every, We had lots of black spots. Yeah. And, you know, it's part of the adventure. Just... Get ready the mindset to, well, uh, be ready to face any major challenges rather than trying to list all the challenge and say, well, I need to be this, I need to be this, I need to be this. Because otherwise, if you meet a situation that you haven't thought about, yeah. which is mostly what, what's happening in these yeah. kind of adventures, yeah. then you, you're freaked out yeah. and you'll start panicking. Yeah. And this is where people you know, get their mindset weakened and yeah. uh, that they're actually through maybe scratching or saying it's uh, it's too much yeah absolutely so i would say get ready but not too much yeah because otherwise if you list everything if you try to master the thing yeah but you make you seem axel seem a lot more into details whereas andreas seems a little bit more okay we'll just do it no, I, I, to be honest, I, I just led all the planning to him because he'd been there yeah. before. So, so I figure s- you do it and then let's go. So what we've, yeah. what we've actually got here is two really interesting personalities. That's probably why you work really well together. You're just one of the relaxed guys. He's going to do it. It's going to be cool. But how do you as someone, because this is the thing, I think different personalities work with this quite differently. But you're maybe a little bit more into details. You'd been there. You'd learned things. You'd read a few more books. You know, so how do you relax on those details as well well I'm just trying to if that makes any sense yeah 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 <laughs> I'm trying to let go I mean this guy was some kind of he was a model for, right. for me yeah. for on some aspects like you know not trying to go into every detail yeah. what I knew about this guy is that you know we rode together in rough conditions before Got and it. I was 100% sure on how he would behave in such situations right and that's the main important thing when right. you're doing team riding like this or yeah. team experiences is that know your teammate. Yeah. And we actually knew each other. Right. We knew exactly, you know, if we were lacking uh, water, uh, fueling, stressing about the mileage or whatever conditions you can have. I yeah. know exactly this guy. I know how he behaves, right. how he reacts. Right. And I react the same way. I mean, when I'm 
enduring something. I'm not trying to control everything. I'm just letting go and letting you know, go. leaving the adventure. Saying So you've done all of your research. You've got as geeky as you can. But when it's game time, just let it be. That's what happened during the world record. Yeah. We planned the whole thing saying, we'll sleep there. We'll do that. And in the end, fuck that. Yeah. Let's crush the planning and yeah. do, you know, feel the experience. Yeah. And uh, if we had planned something... And if we were not ready to accept the fact that the planning was useless, yeah, then some people would freak out and say, yeah, "Wow, absolutely. I won't do it." Mm. And this was—we were not thinking like this, yeah. you know. We just took the adventure, right. and actually, that's how we made it. It's yeah. because you we know we, we we tried to enjoy it. In yeah, that sense. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let go on, mate. So sorry with the planning. We we actually booked the first maybe ten or fourteen days hotels and yeah. then after a few hours first day we just I just cancelled everything really yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like ah, you really? know we'll sort it out on the way unbelievable yeah. well I mean we could we, we could go into a lot of different details here I'll try and ask you guys some some pretty straightforward questions I, I know I'm wary on time we try and wrap things up in about 45 to 50 minutes but why did you choose to start where you started let's let's go there just just to so everyone knows what's going on here world record attempt there's two of you, 10,685 kilometers. The previous record was 58 days. You cross five countries across the one continent of South America, which you wanted to do faster than 58 days. Why, why do you have to start? I'm, I'm going to call you out on a little technical here. Where you started is not exactly at the top of South America. So <laughs> That's exactly true. Uh, it's actually, we, uh, we had gu- guidelines because it right. was a world record and it was a Guinness world record. Guinness, yeah. So that's very, it's a point which is very important to mention. Yeah. Uh, you're not free to do whatever you want with a Guinness. You have to follow guidelines because yeah. these guys are, you know, uh, very accurate. So the, the yeah. previous world record was Cartagena, which is not the top of Colombia. No. You're right. But that's the way it was. The world record started from Colombia, Cartagena, up yeah. to Ushuaia, Argentina, following the Pan American. Right. So you had to start on the Pan American highway and end up on the Pan American. That was the two guidelines. Right. And from we, Guinness. Yeah. And we had, to had, uh, we had to get the same starting point and finish point as the Scott Napier guy. Right. So you almost had to follow what he'd established. Y- yeah, but... Then, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, apart from just riding fast and beating the world record, what we had in mind with Andreas was not following, you know, the main highways and go as fast as possible. Uh, Instead of doing that, we followed (laughs) some crazy roads like riding at 4,800 meters for 250K, which was actually the worst (laughs) shortcut ever because it was not meant to gain time. It was just meant to share with this guy the high altitude riding experience right. and go, you know, on the one of the highest roads in the world. Yeah. So it was, it was not all about riding fast. Right. It was mostly riding fast plus, you know, getting the adventure. So talk about riding fast. How many kilometers? What was your biggest day? Well, that was the last day. <laughs> the last day. The last day. Talk us through that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had actually... I think the last week we did about 2,000K. Right. Uh, our plan was to do, you know, 200 a, a day approximately through the Andes and these right. parts. And then in Argentina, when we hit the Pampa on the flat, we were going to go uh, harder and try and push more. 
Right. And uh, we did that, and the, the day 48, I think it was, we did 300-something. Right. The next day, we did 420, maybe 30 or something like this. On day 49. Yeah. The right. absolute last day. And that was basically we rode all night because we wanted to beat... Uh, 50 days. Right. And that was actually arriving before 7.45 in the morning. Right. So we arrived at 7.29. Yeah. So we we, we we ended up with 49 days, 43 minutes, uh, 23 hours and 43 minutes or something like this. So That's incredible. Yeah. And then there must have been some days when you probably didn't really fancy it too much or the legs are a little bit sore. So what was your shortest day? Uh, that was the same week, the last week. Really? Uh, we did uh, 25K. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> ab- absolute misery. It really? was, uh, we rode for about two hours in uh, massive headwind. Uh, it was raining. It was like two degrees. Wow. And uh, in the end, I was struck at my power meter. It was, I don't know, 220, 230, 240. Yeah. We're doing 9K per hour. Wow. And it was just, you know... 240s. If you're riding outside, it's fine. But if you've done that for 45 days, it's a lot of watts. It's a lot of watts. Yeah. yeah. So it, w- it just wasn't sustainable. Plus, we were getting really cold. Right. So uh, we basically, after two hours, we said, you know, scooters, unstopped. Incredible. And just said, let's, uh, let's wait until tomorrow because winds in Patagonia are super unreliable, unpredictable. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next day, the wind turned, and we did 300 instead. So wow! Yeah. There's so many. This, it's such an amazing story, and we we could go on and do a, a three-hour Joe Rogan show, but we we won't. I mean, it, it it is a great story, and I really appreciate you guys sharing those insights. The bottom line is, you were successful. You did set a Guinness World Record for crossing the or for for riding down South America. You didn't cross it. Crossing is going across, obviously. You went down South America in 49 days, 23 hours, and 43 minutes. So congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Axel, you'd already started this brand called Biking Man. And I want to round out the show for the next 10 minutes or so because I think what you guys are doing is something quite special and will make adventures like you guys have been exposed to more available to people. So talk us through Biking Man. What? We kind of understand why it was started. What does it do? What should people look out for? Give us the whole lowdown on Biking Man. All right. So, well, Biking Man is uh, a mix of everything you've heard here. But uh, the idea is to share with people from any background, any sportive background, uh, the experience of self-supported yep. journeys and races. Right. Uh, so what we're building thanks to the help of Andreas as well because I'm yep. bringing the adventure I'm bringing the the you know the the, the experience I have in adventure cycling and yeah. Andreas is bringing this whole racing experience and right. together we're actually building a race series right. so basically we're taking people out of their comfort zones Completely. and uh, we have four races in 2018 right. one in South America one in Europe one uh, in the, mid- the Middle East and yep. one in Asia. Right. And uh, with different length. Right. But basically, we are talking about the fire between five day to up to 12 day challenges. Right. Where riders, they have to manage food, water, 
repair from day one to the end of the race. Right. And ride as hard as, hard as they can to actually beat the limited time for every checkpoint that they, they are passing through. Right. So it's kind of, uh, if to put it in one sentence, it's like ultra, ultra trial experiences yep. Yep. turn into cycling, adventure right. cycling. So basically you have the clock that starts at the race start. Yeah. You have to endure and, you know, cycle the, your way through the race and manage your effort, manage your fueling yeah. uh, where you sleep or not, uh, where you repair and how to repair your bike. Yeah. On some races, we build base camps right. where we can actually help people to have accommodations where there is virtually no, nothing right. and uh, up to the uh, finish of the race. Right. Distance-wise, you said they, they fluctuate. What's your longest and what's your shortest planned race for 2018? The longest one is definitely Inca Divide in Peru. Right. It's a southern and 800 kilometers. Which you'd expect someone to complete. Is there a time cap? How long would it take? Uh, the time cap is 12 days. Right. Uh, but uh, an average rider can actually do it in less than eight. Right. 12 days is just a time limit. To It's 150K per day uh, for, you know, taking your time. So, and this is, I think this is talking to you guys sort of off, off the show. This is something very different that you're bringing is most ultra races definitely in, in running that I've been exposed to are I, I <laughs> it'd be wrong for me to say they're not enjoyable but you don't have this huge experience that you guys are trying to bring so if, you, if we look at that event 125 kilometers a day for 12 days so your thought process is someone could hammer it in 6 days and be in that ultra runner mindset no sleeping, no exactly. no feelings, and you know, <laughs> no care. Or it could be quite a enjoy. <laughs> People will not understand if we say this is going to be an enjoy. But talk us through that. Like, how did you come and how you like? How do you put this together? Because it's quite interesting. It's the first time in in endurance sports that we're seeing these things fused together. Well, basically, in uh, ultra cycling, yeah, you have two worlds. The first one is the race across America world, where yeah. you actually you're asked as a rider to ride, you know, between 28 to 35k per hour with two RVs behind you. Yeah. A guy slapping your face if you're not fast enough, and you're riding 22 hours per day. Yeah. And you cross America. That's the most famous ultra cycling race on the planet. Yes. But it's supported. Right. So you're stuck between this kind of world and the other extreme, which is the unsupported. Yes. Cycling races yes that you get that you can see popping up around the world well basically you had guys that are organizing races they say point a point b and most of them are above 3500 kilometers long right so talking to people that are able to ride at least for 15 20 25 days in a row which is not a great deal of people right if exactly you have a family or you have something yeah exactly, exactly. So, so you're stuck between these two and the unsupported riding i mean they're bringing nothing apart from just point a you start here like right. uh, i don't know start to cartagena in, in colombia and yeah. you ride up to here yeah. no assistance nothing no in, no intels no advice yeah. you're on your own yeah so it's basically not racing in a way for most yeah. people because yeah. they don't provide anything yeah. and between the two 
this is where baking man is. Right. We are actually bringing lots of tools yeah. to help people to jump into the race. Yep. Uh, like uh, a survival map where we share, you know, uh, the elevation profile of the race, the distances, where you can sleep, where you can re- uh, eat, where you can find, uh, you know, all, all this stuff yeah. on a recommended route. That's the first tool we we provide. The second thing is safety. You can yep. be followed by a GPS tracking system yep. that shares your position f- uh, every five minutes live right. during the whole race Incredible. so all your all your relatives everyone knows where you are yeah and the organization can actually you know in case you're in trouble you get an sos functionality that allows the rider to share the fact that he's in a life-threatening situation and we can actually you know take over from yeah. this stage uh, plus we are thinking the racing uh, experiences in biking man as something doable for anyone and right. for any working people, right. not for only adventurers that are so that can manage to take 25 days in a row for racing. That's what I was saying. And training-wise as well, if you can ride 10,000 kilometers averaging 200, over 200 a day in the last few days, ride 300 and then 400 on 12, 15 hours training a week, then it's... so. The point is, is that you don't have to be doing. If you're a triathlete that's training for a half Ironman, you're doing that much training anyway. Exactly. So you don't actually have to do that much more. No, I mean uh, most people they've ridden 100, 180, 200 k maybe. Yeah. But if you tell them you're riding 300, they'll be you know, they'll be scared. Yeah, for but, sure. But uh, if you ride 200, you sit down, you eat, you relax an hour, then then you can continue, no problem. Yeah. So uh, it's basically it's all mental. You just got to do it yeah. try and see what happens yeah this is i mean and, and which is incredible so the, the product that you're producing basically appeals to the masses yeah and we see it uh for every races i mean yeah. the, the first race in Divide attracted a wide range of athletes right. we had ironman distance athletes yeah. we had ultra runners we had mountain bikers from so the that's pros. A, sorry, the, the Inca Divide race is the first race you've organized exactly. as a Biking Man brand, yeah. which was in South America again. I think you should just move there. Yeah. I think you should just forget about France because you obviously love South America that <laughs> much. Um, to give, give us a quick overview, mate. How many athletes did you have? Alors, for the first edition of uh, Inca Divide, it was uh, happening in July 2017. Yep. We had 17 athletes. Wow. Very nice for, for the first three thousand five hundred kilometers race I at mean, that time. You could have started somewhere in Europe and made it a little bit more tangible for people, but you start in South America and you still get seventeen. So that's incredible. Yeah, right? and the idea w- we wanted to have this grail, yeah. you know, this uh, this epic race yeah. that anyone will search for in time. Right. So in Divide, we are giving time for the event to you know grow because yeah. the riding experience in South America and now Andreas knows everything about it. Yeah. It's very special it's spectacular you got the high altitude factor it's it's another scale it's another level yeah right so apart from this race we have the biking man oman right uh which is a bridge to into ultra cycling right because it's we are talking about a southern k loop yep that you have to complete within five days right with seven southern meters 7,500 meters exactly of elevation gain. Yep. And uh, this is the bridge for every athlete. Right. And what we've seen so far, because we have 50 people yep. so far registered for the race. Incredible. They're coming from, you know, 
so many different experiences. Yeah. It's uh, it's stunning. We have ultra runners, ultra cyclists, yeah. triathletes, uh, mountain bikers, uh, adventurers like people who took on the journey. Yeah. Uh, from you know, it's I think for now there are very few events in the world where you actually bridge all these sportive communities yeah, all together Absolutely, and that's yeah. that's helping to bring a very special event because you're yeah. talking to people that are coming from a different background yes. and you happen to understand why are they doing for instance the Cape Epic and now yeah. joining Oman yeah. why have they done uh, Ironman Nice and now joining Oman so it's actually you know uh, breaking borders that normally all these communities are not talking together. Yeah. And I this event actually gathers everyone. Yeah. It's on an epic race. It's yeah. it reminds me of a story this guy told me several times, which is the story of uh Ironman Distant Triathlon. Yes. Like you get this guy swimming, he was the fastest. You get these guys running, he was the fastest. And you get these guys cycling, he was the fastest. Yeah. And one guy, the Collins guy, say one day, Wow. Let's race together and see who's yeah. the fastest. Yeah, yeah. And that's how triathlon. That's how triathlon started. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now it's a discipline, and yeah. you got the equipment and everything. Yeah. I'm not saying we are creating a, a similar triathlon, yeah. new sportive community, but I do believe that from from you know the background we have and yeah. the athletes that are joining Oman and that will join the other races yes. that we're actually managing something that very few cycling events are doing yes, which is mostly gathering people that are coming from a very different background and that are willing to race yeah. like an Ironman distance pe a guy who's willing to race with a sportive guy Yes. so all these guys will have a very different strategy yeah. to win the race yeah. but we know with Andreas with our experience in South America and we're, when we're discussing about the details and yeah, you're preparing, yeah. we, we know that the guy you bet on at the beginning will not the guy. He will not be the guy who will win. Yeah. And you get this kind of uh, lottery yeah. around uh, the issue, and the, not the issue, the, the, the finish line yes. about these events. Yeah. That is uh, amazing. Yeah, because absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Whatever background the guy can have, he can be a very strong triathlete or yeah. a very strong mountain biker. Yeah. He might, you know, get bonked and scratched from uh, the Oman race Absolutely. or the other races. Yeah. Andreas, you've come from obviously a slightly different part of this. Um, obviously with, with triathlon, you've done an Ironman, you're now a world record holder. With your experience and with your that sort of global view on the endurance community and what you know that you guys are trying to create in Biking Man Oman, where or in biking man as a brand sorry let's fast forward three years to five years what will the landscape look like what will be going on in your opinion or maybe where you want to take the brand what what does it look like two or three years or five years down the track that's a good question but uh, i think we'll we'll keep uh, expanding races yep. we have Four races for next year, and we probably have about 15 ideas for <laughs> other locations. Right. Based basically on our own experience from travel, where we or or friends travel to different yeah. locations. So we're trying to bring um, interesting races into interesting locations. Right. Uh, we don't want to do a race from you know some boring place just to do a race. We want yeah. to we want to 
bring people to to get not just the racing experience but the adventure right as well so, so, uh, so yeah. anything really it could be anything yeah that's incredible yeah. guys your story is incredible what you're trying to do and what you're actually just trying to bring to the whole endurance world is absolutely incredible We've gone on for a long time. We've covered a lot. How can people get hold of you if they like the sound of this and maybe they want to ask a question? Where should they go? How should they be in touch with you? Well, they go to our webpage, uh, sorry, webpage or Facebook. Right. Uh, Which is? Bikingman.com or um, Bikingman Ultra Biking. on Facebook. Easy peasy. Just, just drop us a message and, you know, we'll respond. Ask some questions. The first race is on February the? 25th in Oman so yeah. if anyone from the region is listening and feels like getting involved in that race you might be able to get a late dropout or someone who's just unable to make it this race seems very well subscribed the next race after that is planned to be when and where do we have a date yet yeah it's Corsica Corsica and it's uh, late April late April yeah so they, I mean yeah to get four in you need one a quarter right so easy peasy I would love to get you guys back on the show after the Oman race to see actually what happened I was going to put you on the spot there Axel and say yeah you've got an Ironman you've got this ultra you've got that ultra who do you think will actually win the race but that's probably a little bit unfair but what we will do in that <laughs> what were you going to say mate I was going to say at the, this distance is very interesting because it's long but yeah. it's not so long, Super long. Yeah. so a thousand k there will be people riding all the way to the finish line yeah very hard it so uh it's gonna it, it brings a little racing experience as well so i suggest you follow the guys over on instagram as well they put out a lot of content that's super good from from from, from their journeys as well but i'd love to have you guys back on between the the oman race and the corsica race again lessons learned and, and really what happened because i think it's it's uncharted territory for you guys it's uncharted territory for the endurance community so are, are you racing yes <laughs> good <laughs> <laughs> I can't say so you'll give us your experience. <laughs> <laughs> no. you, you might not invite us again. Um, yeah. yeah, CrossFit dropout does cycle race. End of story. I think you'll do fine. <laughs> Let's okay. see how it goes. Andreas and Axel, thanks a lot for taking the time. Guys, what you're doing is amazing, and we wish you from the Inner Fight podcast and from all, everyone here the very best of luck. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much.